0: Welcome to another episode of the Declutter Me podcast. Um, Today I have my lovely friend Sarah, who I've known for a few years. We met on Twitter. Many, many years ago. Is it Twitter? Yeah, we were Twitter people as well, yeah? Um, So Sarah has chronic fatigue syndrome, which uh, is a condition involving deep fatigue, um, not getting enough sleep, and a kind of worsening of symptoms after exertion, right? So it's something people have talked about for years, and I'm sure I've had one or two clients who have uh, got chronic fatigue syndrome or... um, a medical condition linked to it, or similar to it. Um, so I thought it would be great to know more about it from someone who has it and also find out about how, um, you know, to help people who have got clutter and are finding it difficult to deal with clutter when they've got this syndrome. Um, so welcome, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you here. Um, so yeah, let's get straight into it. So... What is chronic fatigue syndrome or what do you do you have that or it very similar So um
1: it's chronic fatigue. Chronic fatigue syndrome, or ME, which right. stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis, right. which is um, a phrase I learned at the age of 11 when I was diagnosed. Okay. Um, and it's funny to think about it, but even back then, because there's been an awful lot of misconception around the illness, and there still is today, um, I almost felt that I had to have the medical name for it to be able to prove that it was something yep. tangible and real. Um, way back when I was diagnosed, which was 21 years ago, there were an awful lot of people in the school of thought that it was actually a psychological condition um, and then it manifested itself physically. The science is very slowly catching up, but it's taking a long time um, to show that it is obviously a physical condition and it can have devastating impacts on people's lives. Mm. I'm quite lucky in the sense that I would consider myself functioning. Um, but for many people, um, they are bed bound for years on end. Right. They can't leave the house. They can't work. It's, you know, the the thing that used to make me laugh all the time was people would say, oh, I get really tired, too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. it's not that. Um, my personal experience of it was I was diagnosed when I was 11. I probably missed close to 50 percent of secondary school because of it.
0: So how did you know that it? Could be a medical condition that had to then you had to go to the doctors for it.
1: I so it it's generally triggered by a viral infection, right? And I just started at secondary school and I had um I just had a twenty four hour vomiting bug and basically I never got over it. Right. Um, so I was bed bound for weeks and weeks and weeks, which obviously as an eleven year old child is just not normal. So yeah. I was being tested for everything under the sun. At one point they suspected that I had leukemia. And at that point, the process um, for diagnosis was a process of elimination. So they would rule out right. other conditions um, and then kind of just say at the end of it, we think that you have chronic fatigue syndrome slash ME. Right. Um, we don't really know anything about it and we don't really know how to treat it. Hmm. Uh, so that kind of just was the precursor for... For
0: you to, uh, to be uh, diagnosed yeah. with her.
1: Um And then really just to kind of have to get on with it for the last 21 years so how have you got on with it um I'm lucky in the sense that um uh, as I said I'd consider myself functioning so for me it tends to be that I will have I never I never feel well or normal but that I can deal with on a day-to-day basis it tends to be maybe every two to three years that I will have a more severe relapse which hits me probably for about a period of six months Wow, okay. <laughs> and um, all through that time. And I think beca- because of the misconceptions around it, particularly from the medical community as well, I'm not just talking about you know discussing it with your friends and family yeah. where they're not really sure what's wrong, but yeah. also from the doctors themselves. I realised, and, and probably only kind of all came to light in 2019 for me when I went through a sort of grieving period, right. that I'd been in denial about it for a long time and I stopped telling people I had this illness and just kind of convinced myself that, It was fine, even though I really wasn't. So I was still managing to go to work every day for the most part. And then there would be periods where I'd be hit with, um, you know, the relapse and I'd go back to the doctors. They'd test me again for everything. Everything would come back normal. And we'd kind of just be in this cycle. So it was almost like I was willing myself to have something else wrong that we could put a label on that people would understand. Yeah. Um, but it actually so happened that last year when I was on holiday I met a specialist doctor um, and we had a really long discussion about it purely by chance yeah. and he really opened my eyes to some of the advancements that had been made in understanding the condition right. um, okay. and I think it was about the time that my relapse was starting last year as well <laughs> and I ended up really going through Quite a difficult process um, mentally of understanding how much it had actually impacted my life for the last 21 years. Um, I went to university for three months and I dropped out and I came home. Um, You know, I was uh, I felt like it impacted my day to day life a lot, but I'd never really taken the time to process that so it was almost like going through this grieving process of thinking what could my life have been if you hadn't if i hadn't have had it but then when i kind of started to think about it feeling quite proud of the things that i had still managed to achieve in spite of that i'm very stubborn which helped yeah we know we know
0: (laughs) (laughs) so that, that that's amazing so but so you went through this grieving process, but beforehand, so you were doing everything
1: as best as possible, right? Okay, um, and not really telling my employers and things like that as well. So there would be periods where I would I would have to take a week off work because I would have um, I'd get like a regular flu or cold virus, but it would hit me yeah quite badly, um, and then I just sort of soldiered on through it and thinking, I mean, you know, you know what it's like living in London and commuting and going yeah. through that day to day grind anyway, yeah. I kind of look back on it now and think I really don't know how I managed to drag myself into work day in, day out. Um, I was exhausted all the time. I was in pain an awful lot. Um, I would have headaches. I would have sore throats. It's essentially kind of like feeling like you've got the flu all the time. And then one of the big um, symptoms is insomnia. So then it becomes a vicious circle. But obviously you, you can't sleep through the day anyway because... You have to go to work and then you have to come home and then you have to ke- like make dinner and then yeah. go to bed. And then you have the anxiety of laying awake all night or being in pain, which is um, something that I've had badly in my last few relapses, right. <coughs> is um, laying in bed and having pain across my body. However, I kind of position myself on the soft mattress and we've had to change it and see if that helps a bit. So mm. all in all, it's just a vicious cycle. And you can't have like painkillers to
0: get alleviate the pain or it just doesn't... Just doesn't at all. It,
1: it gets to a point where you think do I want to be taking these indefinitely i.e is this good for my health yeah. um but I've never really managed to find a medical solution to make it better
0: so what about your day-to-day life so you know you talked about cooking and cleaning and how do you do all of it and how is it how have you been able to do all of it and not allow like it to take over your
1: life I think um I've only really started managing it properly in the last couple of years and again I think how on earth did I do this before but because there was the denial element because I was young because I was on my own I wanted to go out with everyone I wanted to have the same social life you know you have the FOMO um and it's only as I've got older that I've kind of thought what's important to me um and it's feeling better and not kind of just continuing to go through that onslaught of Um, exerted effort that I don't need to go through. Um, I've also been able to exercise in the last few years, which is the first time I've ever been able to do that. Um, It goes through kind of peaks and troughs. So you just have to learn to really recognise the signals in your own body and how you're feeling. So if I'm feeling good, then I know I can get on with stuff. I can organise my day. I can make sure that we've got food and Mm. blah, blah, blah. But for the periods where things are not so good, it is very difficult because... You also do have to then go through the process of thinking, right, do I have something to eat? Is it nutritious? Am I getting what I need for my body? Am I doing everything I can within my physical environment to reduce my stress? You know, can I manage my workload? So that in itself becomes mentally very tiring on top of physically feeling poorly as well. Yeah,
0: that sounds really exhausting. Like, I'm exhausted just (laughs) hearing it. And Um, So, I mean now I mean we're we're very privileged here we you know living in in the UAE and we can get maids to help us to do the cleaning so I guess for you you've got that that you've got you can have someone to help you on that side um but what were you doing like in the UK doing
1: everything on your own doing everything on my own and just uh, yeah I don't know I think because you kind of build up the resilience factor of thinking I've been doing it this long I can crack on yeah um and then just sort of having periods where I probably fell into a bit of a hole with it yeah um and wasn't coping quite so well but at the same time it's I I went through all of that alone as well because I wasn't open with people about the fact that the condition I still had the condition even my own family thought I was better Um, because I just didn't feel that I was able to sort of say I have this illness, that people still... It's an invisible illness. People still question its validity. There's still the school of thought that it could be all in your head and you're imagining it. And and I knew from day one, I knew at the age of 11, that that was not the case, because I was feeling things physically. But even when I was diagnosed at the age of 11, I was part of a clinical trial at King's College, which at that time was um, exploring whether it was something psychological. Right. And I think yeah. having that hanging over me at such a young age, but still being aware that that was wrong or it yeah. wasn't my experience, um, was something that I carried with me. So it was just kind of like, right, just get on with it and don't make a fuss and don't tell anyone else. I
0: think that was a problem. I
1: mean, like we've talked before
0: that I had, I knew someone at school who had it. That it would, you know, everyone went, oh, it's in her head because she'd been so strong. Yeah, and. You know the nicest person in the class and so for her to suddenly go you know and not being at school and having and that's
1: it and i had that experience too because i was in my first year of secondary school when i joined which is uh, and it was an all-girls school and it's you know it's really difficult (laughs) you kind of want to get into your friendship circles and one day i'd be there and one day i wouldn't and people didn't understand and they were kids so i did i had a lot of problems um kind of settling into school because of that yeah um we're all for it. I went to a girls' school as well. Oh, it was horrendous. Yeah, it, it was, was horrendous. horrendous.
0: And we we're teenagers, so we got all the hormones running around. It was the worst. Yeah, it's a difficult Cheers. time, I think, yeah. for young
1: girls anyway. Yes. Um, And then kind of having such a big change and going to secondary school and it's yeah. difficult anyway and then on top of that was the fact that I was bed bound but there were days that I'd go in and be fine so people would see that and then think well why is she faking or why is she not yeah, here exactly. you know it's to get out of homework and stuff yeah, like yeah. that when all I wanted was just desperately to be part of the sleepovers at the weekend yeah. and and you know my um, mum had to say to me you can't, you can't necessarily do everything because it's going to make you more ill yeah, and yeah. she was going through the process of understanding the illness and watching her daughter yeah. you know be bed bound and whatever else so it was it was mentally very difficult for both of us I think to go through it as well
0: so what have you done now so you said you had that process last year that others who are going through it
1: I think I'd really kept my head in the sand for so long I'd stopped I'd stopped researching, I'd stopped looking anything up. Right. I'd kind of just given up that there was ever going to be um a way to kind of manage or cure it one day from a medical perspective. The doctor that I met started to talk to me a lot about um uh, the research, the latest research that's come out, some doctors who are kind of going a little bit rogue against um pharmaceutical and political systems right. to bring awareness to it in a different way um so for me it was really thinking about diet and also thinking an awful lot about your physical environment right. um from the perspective of the amount of toxins and nasties that we expose ourselves to on a day-to-day basis whether you've got a chronic illness or not yeah. i think it's something worth thinking about yeah and if you th- and, and as well from the food perspective if you look at um like the advent of chronic illnesses that exist these days yeah. that didn't exist 60 70 years ago there's a direct correlation with the way f- f- we consume food yeah. and the food that's produced the way it's produced yeah. um the fact that we eat a lot of rubbish that we probably hadn't really thought about and you, like yeah. w- th- thinking about how we were kids and what we would eat when we were kids versus what we would eat now yeah. is very different yeah. so I think awareness is going up generally around that as yeah. a as a health factor um, and that we're probably not doing our bodies much good with a lot of the stuff that we're putting into it.
0: Yeah, there is that. Um, I have an issue with GMO stuff. I know that if it's GMO flour, then I'll get very sick. Uh, yeah. And so it's a, it's a problem eating bread now.
1: I yeah, think. I mean, look at everyone who's battling things like IBS and um, celiac disease and, you know, lots of these conditions, as I said, that weren't necessarily so much of a problem yep. 50, 60, 70 years ago. And now it's it's really impacting our our health and it's directly linked to our lifestyle yeah
0: it's lifestyle and the grains and everything so um and of course i am a a decluttering show so we need to talk about clutter um so you seem to have controlled it you've been able to manage it can you help others who might have it how you have been able to control the clutter in your life because i've seen your house it's nice and
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like <laughs> um, my dad always used to say to me, you know, home is your sanctuary. And um, When you're ill when you're spending so much time in bed and not really doing an awful lot, yeah. you want to feel that that space is somewhere calm and somewhere that's going to help you to relax and to feel better yeah. in as fast a way as possible. So I'm quite a tidy person in that sense. I wasn't um, when I was a teenager. Right. I had a very um, unsettled home life not particularly conventional um, and I think that probably played into some of the uh, sort of stress added stress on top of the illness as well like yeah, look yeah. when I think I think about it looking back um, and I think that that's really informed how I want to have my home environment today so I'm quite a clean and tidy person Um I think the thing is you know you just have to recognize today's a good day I can get some stuff done or today is not a good day please be kind to yourself don't put pressure on yourself yeah. go and lay in bed and feel better right Awesome.
0: Um, so yes, I think that's everything. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about?
1: I think the uh, th- talking about environmental factors um, and making sure your physical space is kind of as clean and as optimised as possible, yeah. I'm not evangelical about this at all and I think we have an awful lot to think about and a long way to go yeah. from an environmental perspective and from a what we're doing to our bodies perspective. But personally for me, it really made me realise how much um, we're exposing ourselves to in terms of toxins and things that are not very nice so something that I did that was very simple that I thought this is hopefully going to have a positive impact was changing um, my cleaning products to non-toxic products um, to thinking about what do I put on my hair and my body and cosmetics and things like that and the great thing is now Um, awareness is really rising around that and there's such a great selection um, on the market that you can slowly start to replace things as they run out uh, which is what I did rather than go and waste money and buy everything you know which is a good thing yeah people
0: do do that they buy everything you know because everybody else is buying all this you know environmentally friendly stuff or organic stuff
1: um, yeah, wait and see. See how yeah. you get on with it too. So if something's running out, then go and perhaps try, um, you know, a more, a cleaner version of it yeah. to replace exactly. it Exactly, yeah, yeah. And and for sure, with things like makeup and cosmetics, obviously it's super expensive yeah. in the first place. Um, so it would be silly to go out and replace everything. Yeah. But exactly. just sort of dip your toe in and see how you get on with it.
0: Yeah, and you have to also see if you, you it does work for you because some things are still got chemicals so they'll still make you feel a bit alert you know you can have allergies to it um so yeah no that's great thank you so much for that that's it's been so informative um so yeah thanks for being on the show thanks for having me